0: Well, it's a thing we're seeing in the film where indeed there is a, a kid, as he comes out from church, who's kicking a ball. And he says, do you know what day it is today? It's Sunday. It's not a day for kicking a football, is it? And then says to him, what time do you get up tomorrow? Uh, seven o'clock. Oh, come on there and I'll play with you then.
1: Faith at the Fringe, a Sanctuary First podcast series. Uncovering God in the creative arts. At the biggest international arts festival in the world, Sanctuary First stops to ask where does faith and art meet? Welcome to Faith at the Fringe, a sanctuary first podcast series engaging with artists, creatives and musicians who are performing at the Fringe and seeking to explore with them where their faith and the Fringe meet together. Uh, today we are in our lovely podcast studio uh, by courtesy of uh, St. Cuthbert's Parish Church and in the background you might even be able to hear the tones of the pipe organ, eh, all part of the ethos of our new podcast studio to give us a sense of just being part of a very historic building, which in fact is the oldest Christian heritage site in Edinburgh. So with that introduction, I now want to welcome our guest today, who is Michael Taylor of the Searchlight Theatre Company, and he's involved in taking a lead role in the play entitled Chariots. So let's just now have a moment to welcome you, Michael. Thank you for being with us today. And I'm looking forward to having a chance to talk with you about this whole uh, this play that you've looking got going. To it, so here, the question I'm asking is, Chariots of Fire mm-hmm. was such a brilliant uh, film. Everybody knows the story. So what extra can the play bring to that whole uh, story of Eric Little?
0: Well, Charity of Fire, um, made in 1981, uh, won an Oscar uh, for, I think, Best Adapted Screenplay, or Best Original Screenplay. It was um, indeed an Oscar winner. And um, famously, one of the producers was Mohammed Al-Fayed, who was uh, the owner of Harrods uh, at the time, and uh, very, very successful, telling the story of Eric Little who indeed we dramatise here in our play, and uh, an athlete for Cambridge University called Harold Abrahams. Both of them were 100-metre runners, sprinters, and it charts the... Journeys that they're on in their life. Abraham's overcoming the anti-Semitism of the time and the fight against professionalism within sport and his desire to, to better himself and to be better by bringing in a trainer called Sam Musabini uh, who helps mm. him to improve his his running, changing his stride length. And it was his drive and desire to be this sort of running machine that he wanted to be. And we see his journey play out in the film alongside Eric Little. So with Eric, we meet him in Edinburgh at a mission and his family talking to him about the challenges that he's facing in wanting to be a missionary, but also wanting to run. Uh, he was at Edinburgh University and was a very, very gifted sportsman at that time. He played rugby for Scotland out in the wing very, very fast, but his sprinting was there and he was very, very good. And So the film takes this journey uh, with principally getting to the point where Eric Little finds out that the heats for the 100 metres final are to be on a Sunday. And he feels this immediate challenge within himself to say, well, what are we going to do here? Because my faith would say that I need to rest on the Sabbath, and so I can't do it. And thus the film takes this journey of what Eric Little did, or indeed didn't do, and explores a lot more, of, I suppose, of who Harold Abrahams was. And our play gets the chance to really do both with Eric, just focusing in on what he did and didn't do, running on the Sabbath, but also gets to peel back a little bit of who he was. And and his of his yes. character, his
1: nature. Okay. Of course, one of the things I'm interested in is, of, is that he was a man of great principle. Oh, yes. you know, so here he is, he, he believes it's wrong for him to run on a Sabbath. And yet, the question is in today's world, and how the Christian Church looks at things. Eh, often, churches will actually close or change the times of their service on a Sunday mm-hmm. for to allow the London Marathon to run. Yeah. So, w- was was Little wrong? Did he get it wrong?
0: I think I think Eric Little gets a lot more right, frankly, than than he gets wrong uh, with the way that he lives out his faith. Um, looking at it almost exactly 100 years on from when he was making those decisions and, and doing these things, the specialness of Sunday, that reverence and respect that was the protection, that scaffolding that was around six days of the week being where we do our work and one day where we stop and we remember God, where we stop and we rest. Um, we have <laughs> obviously lost that as a society by some way, especially within the last, well, it's my lifetime in what well, end of the 90s uh would be when the law changed for Sunday trading. Mm-hmm. Um and which is to say that early in my childhood, going to the shops on a Sunday wasn't something you could do. Um but now is is, is a distant memory for, for people of any faith, um, or no faith whatsoever, well, yeah, Sunday is just another day. Um, and even the 10 till 4 that's there for the shops being open, we, I don't think we ever stop and really think, why is it that Tesco's you know, T- mm-hmm. is kicking us out at 4 o'clock? Um, but I, I think
1: so I we had a lot it, more right than it, wrong, it, yeah. Was it the competing that was wrong? Or was it the running on a Sunday that was wrong? Or was it because on... This occasion, there was a commercialization of sport beginning to happen. So here's a question. I mean, are you saying then that a kid shouldn't go out and, on a Sunday afternoon and play football as an amateur eh, and enjoy that game? Or,
0: eh, well, it's the famous scene in, in the film where indeed there is a, a kid, as he comes out from church, who's kicking a ball. And he says, do you know what day it is today? It's Sunday. It's not a day for kicking a football, is it? and then says to him, what time do you get up tomorrow? Seven o'clock. Oh, come on there and I'll play with you then. And and there's this desire to point, not wanting to paint God as a spoil sport, but I think wanting to acknowledge that there is... We but, do have space? It's making
1: them. God a bit of a spoil sport to the <laughs> kid there. Let's be honest here. <laughs> yeah. The <it's>, <laughs> what is the sin? What kind of God is going to a, be angry? At, I mean, at seeing a kid enjoying himself, running for the pleasure that He made him for, and in, in fact, little says this: "I run for His pleasure," or, 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 or I get pleasure when I'm running for God. So, is is. Is that not what we are called to do in worship? Is to worship. Uh, our worship is an offering of uh, to God and uh, thanksgiving for all we have. So, if you then here's a question: Is it wrong to play the guitar on Sunday? Is it is it is it wrong to play the we hear the church organ at the back? Is it wrong to pay the church organist who's playing worship who's playing the worship songs on a Sunday?
0: Well, the, we can see this play out in I mean, in Israel today, um, they will on the Jewish Sabbath they will have uh, in hotels uh, the lift buttons will not work. The lifts will stop on every single floor, and they'll do that lest any Jews that strictly observe the shabbat as they would call it would consider pressing the button of a lift work um and so there are some hotels where indeed you cannot even press a lift button and obviously the jewish um observance of the of the sabbath is the kind of the gold standard of which eric little kind of calls a little bit underneath that for not you know that level of adherence not that level of zealousness i mean i would say some of this is it's That's why I said about the fact that I think Little got more right than he got wrong. I I grew up playing football on a Sunday, but it was in the afternoon with my dad. And so we would play together as a family. But I didn't grow up playing football on a Sunday morning when the football leagues were at that time. So for all the young lads growing up, Sunday football was something that happened Mm -hmm. on a morning. And my mum and dad made it abundantly clear to me in um, no uncertain terms that, yes, Sunday morning we would be at church as a family. And I would say, perhaps, I would maybe have encouraged Eric to have just taken 10 seconds out of his Sunday morning. (laughs) Just that 10.5 seconds that it would have taken just to, you know, just have a quick, quick, quick sprint down the uh, the (laughs) 100-metre cinder track. But... You have to you have to admire the fact that well no this was just not a, not even a question of it wasn't even a question for him no the Sabbath know. is not when we work and you, we won't
1: you, you remind me of when I was a kid I must have been about seven or eight and my parents were at church on a Sunday evening and I was with Granny and it was so boring <laughs> you know. And you could there was no television. You weren't allowed to watch television. You, you and you wouldn't listen to the radio. No, it was, oh, mm. Because it was a strict understanding of mm. Sabbath. I remember on a Sunday night I had some money. And years ago there used to be what they called chewing gum machines that ah. were on the yeah. uh, the newsagents um, outside the newsagent. And I remember I had I had some money and Granny wasn't looking and I slipped out of the house and ran down to the newsagents and put. The penny in the machine, or whatever it was, and got a packet of chewing gum. Of course, granny discovered I had chewing gum. She says, Did you buy that on a Sunday? And I said, No, I didn't <gasps> because nobody was working. <laughs> See, the reason why you don't buy anything on a Sunday is you're causing someone else to work, yes. and therefore they should be resting. But the machine isn't working, so it was all right. And yeah. my granny, I remember my granny looking at me and saying, You're too clever by half. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, there's lots of, uh, you know, I I heard recently um, the radio DJ Chris Evans talks about his family time on a Sunday where I believe that they have their phones, all of the family's phones, he's got older children, are put to one side uh, for the day, or at least portions of it, I can't be fully certain, to go, we're going to not have our phones today because the danger is, is that we'll just be on our phone, it'll just be another day where we're on our phones. And actually, those... Principles, those practices of of just being able to set aside time and make it different for the for the Sunday or for the Sabbath, depending if you're having to observe it on a different day. Which you know that's life. Some people work have to work on a Sunday, and it's like well, my Sabbath is on a Wednesday or a Friday. But it's making sure that that is different, and I think the lesson from Little is one that we need to be continually reminded of because we have so, so, so lost the specialness and the preciousness of what God put in that Genesis text for us, that there is Adam and Eve, a day old, within that narrative, and it's like they wake up the next morning and it's like, well, God, here we are, ready to go. What's, uh, what's happening? I'm sure, you know, we've got great things ahead of us today. What, what is it? We're going to rest today. Hmm? But so- I, we're not even tired. No, no, this, this isn't about you. You weren't here for any of the making of this world. I, I did it all. And you'll notice you weren't around to help okay. me on one, two, three, or <laughs> four, five. Of course, and five. the question
1: I would like to then ask God is so, what did you do when you <laughs> were resting, God?
0: <laughs> well, I think this is it. I think, he's, I think God's content to, to sit with him. So God not do nothing. Well, it's it. I think Pascal talks about the, the, the problems of the world being uh, mostly caused by men, uh, uh, mankind being able to, unable to just sit still in a room. I'm slightly sort of bastardizing his phrase there. But Pascal, the great sort of philosopher, if only a man could just sit quietly in a room by himself with his thoughts, and maybe we wouldn't have so many things in the world. But we do, as a species, seem to struggle to be able yeah. to just itself
1: well <laughs> let's get back to to little again and to the the story because we've we've been we've been looking at the morality of sunday and mm. we've, we've we've kicked that around a little bit um the, we you know we could go further in it mm, yeah. but the other thing is you were saying that the play goes on to uncover more about the man Little mm. so it's something about his devotion to god and his his call to to be a missionary in China,
0: yes, I think there was this obviously high principle gene or within him, or this high principle calling from God. Depending on how you how wish to look at it, but there was there was something within him that wanted to give in his life in service to God and to give his best and to give his all in that sense for for whatever he did, and that applied to his to his sport and to his studies when he was he was studying. But there was really just a transference of that post the olympics where i mean i will say spoiler alert he he won um he was able to just take that mindset to take that principle and just apply it into the mission field in china where he would serve for another 20 years um and we get to see some of that um some of that drive within him but also get to explore some of the some of the challenges that he faces for help, uh, helping other people around him understand it. So we have um, Eric's trainer, played by my good friend David Robinson, um, who isn't a Christian but is helping to sort of train him, not as in a professional context like in the film with Sam Sabini. He's an amateur trainer, but he's there with Eric. But it, that it's struggling to come to terms with all the work that he's seen Eric do and how that is going to play out. And he's concerned for him that goes well is, is is how is this going to how is this going to work you'll be your hundred is your main event the 400 is a different kind of race you can't just sprint it you've got things to think about there's the bends you can't and it's longer for a start um and so we get to see some of what the impact that he had on those that are around him as well that both the decision and and his life, but ultimately that that admiration for a man of faith where at the end of his life, Eric would be in uh, China when the Japanese invaded in the Second World War and would be taken to a prisoner of war camp and kept under very severe conditions. And in that place, there was um, uh, um, a man who would ultimately write about his experience of being alongside Little by saying, it's not often that you get to meet a saint in your life. Wow. But I, with Eric Little, I came pretty close. And this was a man who did not profess faith. Obviously, being in a Japanese prisoner of war camp was uh, an experience of, of, of horrific nature. Um, and, but even he was able to recognize there was something different. There was something about Eric Little that, that carried... Something of the presence of God in in how he held himself, um, and I will say in that prisoner of war camp, apparently, apparently, Eric Little did referee a hockey match on a Sunday, which, I mean, big news. It, it was yeah. it was it was said that that happened, um, which is um, yeah. But in the end, he ultimately uh, had a brain tumor that he was he was aware meant that he would not be surviving. And so even though uh, Winston Churchill had been able to negotiate with the Japanese uh, a, a reprieve to get Eric out of the jail, um, he knew that he he wouldn't need it. And so he gave his space to someone else and another man was let free in his place. What a man.
1: Wow, that's a wonderful story, isn't it? Uh, but I think what we're learning from all of this is the importance of a Christian life, uh, being willing to... Offer to God something that's costly mm. I mean, for for little. Perhaps this running was more a personal thing for him. That you know, you know that bit in the Bible where uh, David is offered. a, a I think it's, it's. I think it's David. It's David that's offered a sacrifice. actually the bulls to sacrifice, but they're not his. But right. you can make, yes. and David says, I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. No. And and so it's a bit like, you know, when you go into church on a Sunday and you've not got any collection and somebody says to you, oh, there, there's, there's there's a couple of pounds you can put in the plate, but it's not really your offering, it's somebody else's offering. So little was looking at his own life at this time and was being challenged perhaps by saying, you know, Christ must come first.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean... David's narrative in the Bible is found in 1 Samuel, and 1 Samuel is famously provides the verse that's given to Eric before he runs the 400 meters. He who honors me, I will honor. And I was at the Eric Little Center, which is just down in, in Morningside, um, a few years ago, and I had the opportunity to actually hold the vase that was given to Eric as part of the uh, the medal ceremony, and it was quite a special moment, but the... the They said, um, the the, the chief exec of the the little association said, that that verse really summed up Eric's life. He who honors me, I will honor. That underpins, sort of undergirds, if you will, his entire approach that, yes, he wanted to honor God. Above all else, it's what he wanted to do, the sacrifice that he would bring would be his own, yes. And ultimately, yes, he would would offer his entire life um, to God. But I think... That sense of yes, honouring is um, something that, again, we need to be reminded of. This is where the, the hero, the stories of the heroes of faith that we have in the in the in the canon of both scripture and of the last two thousand years, they're important stories to tell because they can remind us of important truths that maybe we lose focus on in the busyness of life, or just in a culture that doesn't really give time and space for words such as honor yeah
1: i mean it's quite hard in our culture today for people to quite understand little and and to understand why would he do this when so much sport is on television on a sunday when everything is sunday is just like any other day Um, uh, the temptation is just such a, a challenge for us to think about that but what we are saying and what you're saying is it's got to go deeper than that don't let that put you off look again at your own life perhaps but is this what's coming because when we watch these plays and watch things we're challenged to say what would i do if i was in that situation i would you know and so there's a sense in which i guess your play is saying to people so what is it what's the costly thing that maybe you have to offer to
0: god yeah and well, it's seeing that in laying down that sacrifice in laying down what he wanted to do, which would have been to run the 100 metres, to race against Harold Abrahams and have the ultimate test of the Olympic final to be able to determine once and for all who would the fastest man on earth be. And that's something that still resonates today. We can all think of that mantle of the fastest man on earth. We think of Usain Bolt now, but you know before that, Linford, the Linford Christie's and the Carl Lewis's of the world. We can appreciate what it means now to be the fastest man on the planet. But he put that aside. But in running the 400 metres, they're out in lane eight, the worst lane other than perhaps lane one, depending on how you wish to look at it. But there he was in lane eight and he not only won an Olympic gold medal, he broke the world record <laughs> in lane eight for an event that wasn't necessarily his best one either. And it's the fact that in lane down, down, well, that's it, it, isn't it? It's the no. fact it, he ran it and he sprinted it. He, he, he sprinted, he did his first 200 meters in 21.8 seconds, um, which is a very good 200 meter time. Um, which meant that he did the second 200 in about 26 seconds. Um, but he had... And that is not even how you're supposed to run the 400 metres. You're supposed to run the first half a bit slower, to make sure that you've got enough in the tank to get you around. But he just ran it, and he ran it in lane eight there um, and came home with an, a, an Olympic gold medal, and it was a, a stunning achievement for to, to have seen it. And admittedly, the film and even our play... Uh, does bring that cancellation of the 100 a little bit closer to the event he had in reality had a couple of months the schedule had come out a couple of months beforehand and so he had had a bit of time about a couple of months to prepare himself for focusing in on the four than the one but to still to to, to be in that position there is no athlete there is no athlete today. Perhaps Michael Johnson, uh, who, who was a very, very brilliant 200 and 400 metre, he was asked to run the 100 but never did and he held the world records for two and four but never never went and even tried to do the 100 but be in the position where Eric Little absolutely could have won the gold medal. The last time he raced Harold Abrahams, he beat Harold Abrahams and then the next race should have been at the yeah. Olympic final and they never had the chance to meet. But to be able to be in the position where you could have a gold medal in the one which he could have legitimately had and then the 400 meters is absurd and i think talks of the way that god honored him um, yeah. and brought about something miraculous
1: it reminds me of that famous quote from um, uh, Eliot, um and he said you know he is no fool who gives up that which he can't keep to gain that which he can't lose yes and there is something in all of this. This is such an inspiration to hear you speak, and I can see that you've seen, you, you know you've really engaged with little and he's a bit of a hero in, and and a you know mm. a, a role model for oh, you yeah. to begin to um,
0: well, be encouraged. Well, yeah, he's been a companion since two thousand and twelve for me. It's when we first did the show um, in the run up to the Olympics of two thousand and twelve in, in London, and um we took out the show in 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 two thousand and twelve, thirteen, and fourteen, and then. Um, brought him back last year. And, and indeed, we'll be taking him out again next year because it is going to be the 1924 Paris Olympics centenary, and yeah. that will be marked by Paris having the Olympic Games themselves into tw- a hundred years on. Um, so we wanted to start the process of just bringing the show back round and into repertoire. It would be
1: great if you could actually take the show and do it in Paris in the Church of Scotland. The Church of Scotland. It would be a, wonderful,
0: yeah, and yeah. maybe perform it on a Sunday, uh, uh, as we have many, many times now. I will say this is the perhaps the most um, amusing part of the production. that the, the amount of times that we have performed the show on a Sunday uh, is quite something. And no one has ever, no church has ever sought to go, actually, maybe we should put you on the Saturday <laughs> or we'll put you on the Monday. But indeed, we have performed it at many churches uh, over the years, but um, always on a Sunday. But it would be lovely to, to to perform it, yeah, in, in Paris. But we're hopeful that more churches... Um, Will look to to sort of use us in twenty twenty four. as Well, that's a fact.
1: That the interesting thing is, I I have had an invitation to go to be in Paris next year, a eh, to to be to do some locum work in the Church of Scotland oh, in Paris, just off the Champs The Church oh, that, of Scotland. Well, Eric spoke uh, there, indeed, yeah. on the Sunday morning. Yeah, it's, um, it's a different church now because yeah. it's been all modernized. Of course. But. Um, it might be interesting to. You've heard it here first. It could be that. Uh, it's I'll. Not I'll, I'll, I'll we'll packing make, now. <laughs> make, packing now, yeah. But the thing is, I think from all of this, what I'm learning and what I'm thinking, I'm drawing from all this, is it's not just about the, it's not so much about the Sunday. It's about what you're willing to not withhold to give to God.
0: Yeah.
1: So. W- what will you say, God? You can have everything, but no further
0: well, I mean there's the oxymoron of the of, of most people's Christian war, God, you can have everything within reason, or you can have I surrender all to a limit well it's like well we don't we don't mean it, most of us we want to mean it we, we do there is there's is that part of us that wants to give back to God that wants to please but but we always seemingly want to also hold on to that control we want to hold on to uh, hang on well yes you know jesus says don't worry about what it is to you know the clo- the lilies in the field are dressed so you don't worry about what yeah. to dress yourself in and yet you know and i'm sure that's why no christians have ever been you know found in primark or other shops of clothing shops are available we 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 do worry about what we're going to wear and what we're going to eat tomorrow but the reminder from jesus is what we get don't, don't let it do that. Um, yeah. don't, don't. And it goes, and God is gracious with us, which is good because he needs to be, because we, we do try to pull back. And I think, I think the trick for us, you know, walking out our faith is to be able to recognize and just be able to be honest with ourselves, honest with God, frankly, honest with each other, to be able to say, well, actually, I surrender some is a much better thing to say than I surrender all given that it's true it's much much better to say that than to stand piously and oh i've given god everything well you haven't well you're right i haven't yes i know so don't don't let's not fall the trap fall into the trap of that but but then don't let that then be a full stop make that a comma to (sighs) then continue on i surrender some and i want to surrender more and let that be a progress, a journey that we're on. I,
1: I've often said that to people. Sometimes when somebody will come to me, you know, a young a Christian family or someone will come and say to me, look, we want to tithe, but, but we've got so many other commitments. How do we do it? And one way I've suggested to people is, well, make a start and work up to the tithe, if that's what you've got to do, because you've got to honour your bills, and you've got to pay certain things, but don't take on extra, and begin to readjust things so that you can be there, and that's the way forward, but listen, Michael, this has been great talking to you, I think, uh, I hope many people get lots out of this podcast and find it helpful, Uh, what you need to do now is tell us, you've got me excited, that I really don't want to miss this play, so... Well, when and where will we see it
0: we are at venue 254 palmerston place uh wednesday the 23rd through to saturday the 26th so we have got shows at seven fifteen, uh wednesday thursday friday and uh, matinee on the saturday so week three of the fringe we will be bringing five performances of this just five so run for a ticket um but yeah venue 254 palmerston place church
1: That sounds absolutely wonderful.
0: Details are on our website, so that's www.searchlighttheatre.org. And if you'd like to see us in the Screwtape Letters or Titanic, The Last Hero and The Last Coward, which is at Venue 320, which is Charlotte Chapel, just around the corner, we've got a few performances of that happening uh, in advance of that. And um, if you go onto our website, you can buy a pass that will allow you to see all of the shows for just £20. That's a bargain. That's a bargain indeed.
1: Indeed. Listen, thank you so much for being with us today. And we're looking forward to hopefully being able to promote what you're doing and for us all to go and think more about what it means to be willing to give and not count count the cost or be aware of the cost, but being aware of the cost, offering it as an offering to God. So thank you as we leave you from our podcast studio And the sounds of the organ, if you're straining, you can hear them taking us out. uh, And hopefully we'll catch up with you next time for our next podcast, which is going to be about street pastors at the fringe.